Good evening. Three weeks ago, I spoke to you about the national energy crisis and our policy for meeting it. Tonight, I want to talk with you again to report on our progress and to announce further steps we must take to carry out our energy policy. When I spoke to you earlier, I indicated that the sudden cutoff of oil from the Middle East had turned the serious energy shortages we expected this winter into a major energy crisis. Shortages in Europe, for example, are far more critical than they are in the United States. Already, seven European nations have imposed a ban on Sunday driving. The energy crisis began when OPEC weaponized gasoline in 1972 and declared an embargo. Starting with Canada, the United States, and Great Britain, the embargo expanded to include other countries. Cuba and the Soviet Union were oil dependent and soon found themselves sucked into the orbit of what had become a global crisis. Which raises a question. What is the point of living in a worker's paradise if workers cannot afford to heat their homes or drive their cars? To meet the challenge, the USA, the UK, and Canada imported smaller, gas-efficient cars from Japan. The math was clear. Cars made in Detroit got 5 miles a gallon. Cars made in Tokyo got 33 miles a gallon. Cuba and the Soviet Union needed more fuel-efficient cars, but the rigid rules of the central planning system made it impossible. The only way to bring these Asian marvels of gas efficiency to Cuba and Russia was to steal them. At 10.30 p.m. Wednesday, January 19, 1977, in Delaney Apartments, a young woman, 18, with blonde hair and cornflower blue eyes, was brushing her teeth. She washed her face and lay on the bed. Most nights, she was asleep within 20 minutes, but tonight, tonight was different. At 11 o'clock, she was still awake. She strolled outside on the balcony. The moon was waning crescent. Looking down, she saw a Daihatsu charade speed by and wondered if those silly Japanese cars would ever catch on. Of course, the question has gravitas when the girl asking is stock car racer Possum Harding. This is Orlando. It's 1977, and you're listening to The Possum Harding Adventures. Okay, baby, let me see some ID. Step away from the car, mister. Nobody moves, and nobody gets hurt. I'm Possum Harding. Only 18. She has a taste for fast cars and unsolved mysteries. With her team of friends, she travels the Sunshine State, righting wrongs, solving mysteries, and looking for excitement. Welcome to 1977. This is Orlando. You're listening to Possum Harding Adventures with Jupiter Gadsden. Last summer, in August 1976, Soviet President Brezhnev's aircraft skid down the crumbling runway of Rancho Boyero's airport in Havana. Stumbling off the plane, the blustery Brezhnev was greeted by Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. After the national anthems were heard, and marching bands marched, and generic speeches were made, and shots of rum and vodka were drunk, and cigars smoked, the two history makers shuffled off to one of Castro's secret bunkers. In air-conditioned luxury, worthy of a shopping mall in Miami, the Cuban and Russian leaders hatched a plan 
for one of the greatest crimes in history. Brezhnev and Castro were going to steal 100,000 Japanese cars from the streets of Orlando. The plan went like this. Working with an army of local petty thieves, Russian and Cuban intelligence would anesthetize everyone in Orlando for 24 hours. While the blissfully unaware residents snoozed, their imported fuel-efficient Japanese subcompact cars were stolen. Next morning, the Japanese cars would be secretly loaded on freighters and shipped to Cuba and Russia, where they would be given away free before there was another people's revolution. One question remained, how? How do you put a quarter of a million men, women, and children to sleep for 24 hours? Waiting for Fidel to refill his drink, Brezhnev spied the children's book, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, on the coffee table. Flipping through the book, Brezhnev admired the images of actress Sally Ann Howes. She was such a beauty. She must have Russian blood, said the bushy-eyed tyrant. Handing Brezhnev a fresh rum and coke, Castro tilted his head, the way a retriever does, and eyed the sumptuous screen siren. I just had an idea, said Castro. Do you remember how Goldfinger got the gold from Fort Knox in the movie Goldfinger? My name is Pussy Galore. January 20th, 1977. Schuyler Airfield is a tiny airport in North Orlando. Tonight, after playing at the Pizza Video Arcade, Buster Lee and his chum, Roman Cardinelli, biked to Schuyler Airfield to check on a valve Buster Lee was cleaning. With Ding Dong, the super pooch, the boys arrived at 11 p.m. As he quietly opened the gate, Buster Lee saw a Fistel seafood truck parked beside the hangar. Six men, carrying cylinders of gas, were milling around. Hearing the planes, Buster Lee turned to the runway. None of these flights were scheduled. None of them were in the books. Buster Lee wanted to call his boss, but there was no phone booth. He reached for a secret two-way radio locket and called Possum Harding. Buster Lee to Possum Harding. Buster Lee to Possum Harding. Come in, Possum. Over. Whispered the spunky team. This is Possum Harding. Over. Where are you, Buster? Over. I'm at Skylar Airfield with Roman. The crop dusters are taking off. Unapproved and unscheduled. Over. How many? said Possum. Twelve. Over. They're spewing red mist. Over. And. And. Oh my word. I'm passing out, Possum. I'm blacking out. Buster Lee. Buster Lee. Are you there, Buster Lee? Come in. Buster Lee. Over. said Possum. It was too late. Whatever was in the red mist knocked out Buster Lee and handsome Roman Cardinelli. Ding Dong tried to wake them with dog kisses, but it was no use. They were both out for the count. Needing help, the hero cattle dog left Schuyler Airfield and hopped in the back of a flower delivery truck, which stopped momentarily at the intersection out front. Once the truck was in motion, Ding Dong peered at the sky in wonder. At midnight, Busserly's mama, famed psychic Neely Cairo, woke up in a panic. Something had happened to her son, Busterly. She called Possum. Hello, this is Possum Harding. Please leave a message and I'll get back to you. Possum, this is Neely. Something's wrong. I'm having visions. Busterly's unconscious. There's a red mist and a small airport. 
Oh no, something's happening outside. I see planes and smell paprika. I hear a voice. An oracle is speaking. It's saying, make it snow, make it snow. You must make it snow, or no one will wake up. Overcome, Neely dropped the phone, left her apartment, and wandered the dark streets in a stunned state. Possum left her apartment and ran to the parking lot. She climbed in her car, a customized six-wheel gremlin, and scoured the neighborhood in search of Neely. A block from her apartment, she drove down Amelia, but something was odd. It was only 11 p.m., and except for the occasional pickup truck carrying a car, the streets were empty. Being something of a card nerd, it wasn't long before Possum realized the vehicles being towed were Japanese. At Ambassador Apartments on Barkley Drive, Melanie Daniels and Taylor McQueen watched TV. During a commercial, Melanie got up and said, This is style masquerading as substance. Who would believe girls as beautiful as Farah, Kate, and Jacqueline were private detectives? Melanie opened a window and was surprised to smell paprika. That's odd, said Melanie, wiping her nose. Patting like a cat back to the sofa, she lay down and put her head on Taylor's manly arm. And before you could say, dance fever, passed out. Lake Eola is a tree-lined park that's wrapped around a lake that's one mile in circumference. On the east side of Lake Eola, Precious Wilson sat alone beneath a street lamp. Recently, inspired by the poet Maya Angelou, Precious tried her hand at songwriting. After composing the words for ten tunes, she mailed the lyrics to a couple of artists or their managers. On the list were Ashford and Simpson, Carly Simon, Bootsy Collins, Janice Ian, and George Clinton. Precious never expected a reply, but this morning, a letter arrived from Minneapolis. Dear Precious, George Clinton of Funkadelic sent me your lyrics. They are truly wonderful. I've been looking at them for two days. You should come to Minneapolis and write with me. I think we'd do some great songs together. Yours, Prince. P.S. I'm just starting out as an artist, and I'm Jehovah's Witness, so this is not a trick. Prince? Who's Prince? She never heard of Prince. Prince? Prince who? When a plane passed overhead, Precious' thoughts were disturbed. She put down the letter and looked up. After the plane was gone, the air smelled of paprika. Blood rushed to her head. Her vision blurred. She held the letter from Prince tightly and stuffed it in her purse. That's all she recalled before she passed out cold. On the other side of Lake Eola, super psychic Neely Cairo wandered among many unconscious and supine bodies. Neely counted 18. Who are these people? The hippie psychic wondered. And what's happening here? Where is everyone? Where's Buster Lee? The Possum Harding Adventures will be back after these important messages. Not that super duper. Hi. Thank goodness super duper stores are open and are doing everything possible to keep supplies rolling into the stores. 
Because of the weather conditions this week, be sure to check for in-store specials that could save you money at Super Dupers throughout this area. Love that Super Duper. Boss, he's coming to dinner tonight. Did you ever have to hide from someone so he wouldn't see your dirty hair? That's what I used to do until I discovered Liquid Prell. Liquid Prell gets rid of the dirt, gets my hair the cleanest possible clean. Bev, we're home. Bev, I haven't seen you in ages. You look fabulous. Thank you. Liquid Prell, extra rich in the ingredients that clean hair best. A lot of girls go around wondering how other girls manage to look so put together. You know the kind. Her shirts always look right with her pants, which look terrific with her sweaters. Everything's great with everything else. Like the girl you're looking at, who put it all together at J.C. Penney, all based on one very special pair of pants. In style, they're a classic, but they're made of the latest thing, woven texturized polyester. They're like a wardrobe in themselves for only $13. There's no end to the great looks we'd be happy to help you put together. For only $13, you could even start all over with these extraordinary pants. This time, how about something in a nice hound's tooth? At J.C. Penney, we know what you're looking for. In wide America, Burger Chef's got big, juicy, terrific burgers for you. 100% all beef. We really work hard to serve them hot and delicious. So you can take them to our works bar and make them taste even better. The way you want them, you're going to love our burgers. Open wide America, you never can forget. You get more, more, more. Climbing into Possum's car, Neely hugged the 18-year-old local hero and amateur sleuth. Then she reached into her bag and found a crystal ball. Neely's eyes widened. She gazed into the orb. Do you see anything, said Possum. Yes, said the gifted psychic. I see Orlando, a metropolis of dozing denizens. Now I see Buster Lee, Precious, Melanie, Taylor, and Roman, lost in the slumber of narcosis. Now I see snowflakes, millions of snowflakes, fluffy snowflakes. Now snow settles on Taylor, Melanie, and Precious. They gently open their eyes and brush away the white stuff and sit up, awake. The omen was clear. Neely knew what to do. She put down the crystal ball and looked at Possum. Remember those reports about the CIA and their experimental weather-making ray guns? Possum nodded her head. Come, my child, said the psychic. We must drive to 4th and Maynard. Jolly Snowcones, the dessert store, was on 4th and Maynard. Possum picked the lock of Jolly Snowcone and entered the store. Lock picking was illegal, and Possum knew it, but this was an emergency. Without turning on the lights, Possum and Neely filled eight snow cone serving cups with shaved ice, stuffed the cups in a borrowed cooler, and made a dash to Possum's car. First stop, Barkley Drive, Ambassador Apartments, home of Melanie Daniels and Taylor McQueen. Waiting in the hallway was Ding Dong. As soon as they let themselves into Melanie and Taylor's jet set joint, Possum sprinkled each with a handful of shaved ice. The couple quickly gained consciousness. Opening her eyes, Melanie said, Where? Where am I? Where have I been? Neely put a damp cloth on Taylor's forehead and said, 
What do you know about the CIA's weather experiments? Sitting up, the chiseled hunk replied. They were messing around with ray guns, trying to make rain or snow. Where do they keep the experiment? Quizzed the super psychic. Orlando Airport, Hangar 51. The weather ray guns are in a Hercules transport plane. It's hidden under a giant tarp with a reindeer on it. Okay, I get it, said Possum. I have an idea. It's called Operation Let It Snow. One, Melanie and Taylor grab two cups of shaved ice, find and awaken Precious. She always goes for a walk at Lake Eola before bed. Find her. Two, Neely, me, and Ding Dong will go to Skylar Airfield to revive Buster Lee and Roman. Three, once we have everyone, we meet at Orlando Airport, Hangar 51, beneath the reindeer tarpaulin. Is everyone clear? Orlando International Airport. Slumped in the arrival area were dozens of snoozing stewardesses. Out front, on the grounds, travelers were blissfully asleep. Collapsed in the parking lot were airport workers and cab drivers. Because Taylor McQueen was a G-man and had full security clearance, smuggling Possum's teams of miracle workers into Hangar 51 was no problem. In case there was trouble, Neely remained outside, in the shadows. After the tarp was removed, Buster Lee and Possum clambered aboard the winged behemoth and prepared for the historic flight. Strapped in the pilot seat, Possum flicked the start switch and four powerful Rolls-Royce engines began to whir. Before you could say Ruby Slippers, Possum's adventure team were soaring over Orlando. Unlatching his seatbelt, Taylor McQueen stood up and pulled a lever on the wall to his right. The rear cargo door, big enough to stuff a blue whale in, opened. While snapping a harness on Ding Dong, Roman gazed at the city below. The light shimmered like so many fresh-cut emeralds. At moments like this, Roman pinched himself. There was nothing like this in Italy. Flying below the cloud ceiling, each member of the team clutched a weather disruptor ray gun. The guns looked like bazookas, and if Operation Lead Snow worked, were capable of making enough of the white stuff to blanket both Siberia and Alaska. Wearing tactical headsets and safety goggles, Possum's adventure team fired the ray guns into the moisture-rich clouds. Distressed, Melanie Daniels reported, Possum, it's not working! We're not making snow, darn it! We're making rain! I repeat, rain, not snow! Up in the plane's cockpit, Possum looked at Buster Lee. Feeling the blood drain from her fingers and lowering her voice, she said, Now what? Buster Lee shivered. He wanted to curl up into a ball and make the world go away. And now, a recap. At 11 p.m. on January 19, 1977, a squadron of crop dusters flew over Orlando, covering it in fine red mist that smelled like smoked paprika. The red mist was not a fertilizer, but a sleep-inducing narcotic so strong that the slightest whiff was like taking four tranquilizers. By 11.30 p.m., traffic was scattered everywhere in Orlando. In the restaurants and taverns, guests were passed out. At the train station, everything was idle. 
Bodies, of all shapes and sizes, of all creeds and colors, slept peacefully, like house cats. People were sleeping everywhere, on the floor of hospitals, factories, offices, mansions, bungalows, jailhouses, sidewalks, apartments, backyards, gas stations, parks, shopping malls, and late-night grocery stores. Budgies, having fell from the sky, lay stupefied on the ground. Napping dogs and their owners were piled up everywhere. And while they slept, car thieves wearing medical masks stole any set of wheels with a Japanese name. At 12.30 a.m., the sky over Orlando went quiet. The mysterious squadron of crop dusters returned to Skylar Airfield, unnoticed. At 3 a.m., Possum Harding and her team of troubleshooters commandeered a Hercules transport plane, a cluster of weather disruptor guns, and took to the sky. For the next two hours, they tried to make snow, but made only rain. As dawn approached and desperate for a miracle, Possum pulled on the emergency yoke and sent the Hercules hurdling another 500 feet in the air. Melanie, Taylor, and Precious continued to fire into the cloud ceiling. And as they increased in altitude, as fast as you can say photomat, the rain turned to snow. And boy, did it snow. A real dump, as they would say in Vermont. Yet as it touched the earth, the snow gently woke the sleeping hoi polloi. Dusting the white stuff away, a young Brazilian mother, fingers laced across her belly, sat up and said, Where am I? Opening his eyes, a retiree stretched his arms and said, How did I get here? A nurse, having fallen asleep on the lawn outside the hospital, scooped a handful of the frozen stuff and said, Is this what I think it is? Everywhere in Orlando, people craned their necks to stare at the sky and write their names on the windshields of their car. When Orlando police woke up and realized the crime underway, they arrested as many thieves as they could. These were not high-caliber car crooks in the least. In fact, most couldn't steal a bicycle. Unaware of the critical role Possum Harding and her team of troubleshooters played, the morning edition of the Miami Star said, Orlando orange crop wiped out by freak snowstorm. Schools closed. Coincidentally, at noon that day, Jimmy Carter, the gentle peanut farmer from Georgia, was inaugurated, becoming the 39th president of the United States. It was the end of an era. goes without saying, the Japanese car heist was a failure. Of the 25 Japanese cars pinched, not one made it to Havana or Moscow. If you know your history, it should come as no surprise that Brezhnev blamed Castro, and Castro blamed Brezhnev. They were both communists, so you know it was never going to end well. They never spoke again. The Possum Harding Adventures will be back after these important messages. Why do I shop at Sears? It's easy for me. I can pick up tennis balls, children's clothing, torque wrenches, and a dish all in the same shop. Use my charge card, and it's just simple and easy. We're at a Sears store to find out why Sears is where America shops. They have what I need in the size and the color that I want. I can bring it back. They'll exchange it, replace it, refund it, whatever I need to, to make me happy as a shopper. Sears, where America shops. Chances are you've heard about the plane with the spiral staircase in first class. 
the plane with the two wide aisles and the three widescreen movies and the eight-foot ceilings and economy. And chances are you've wondered, who's going to get this incredible bird off the ground? Now you know. Pan Am will bring you the world's first 747. Pan Am will bring you the plane with all the room in the world. Before you know it. Chef introduces the Top Chef, the burger you'd never expect to see at a hamburger restaurant. It's beautiful. It's one-third pound, all beef, mellow melted cheese, and crispy bacon on a toasted sesame seed bun. Terrific. The burger with the bacon, only at Burger Chef. Nobody ever did anything like this for me before. In late January, the Orlando sun shines just enough to hold a barbecue. At Possum's Garage, the team had hot dogs, hamburgers, fried chicken, corn dogs, tubs of potato salad, dill pickles, patio soda, and even Gaines burgers. Just add water for ding-dong. Having been debriefed by Orlando police, who lay all blame at the doorsteps of Russia and Cuba, Possum was relieved to know Orlando was back to normal. Rubbing her navy friendship bracelet softly, she said, If last night has a teachable moment, it's that you can never underestimate how far your enemies will go. The Cold War can't end soon enough for me. While Possum and her team celebrated, Precious Wilson wandered off alone. In her purse was the letter from the boy in Minneapolis. Dear Precious, George Clinton of Funkadelic sent me your lyrics. They are truly wonderful. I've been looking at them for two days. You should come to Minneapolis and write with me. I think we'd do some great songs together. He couldn't have been older than 17. She wondered who he was and if they would meet. You've been listening to Possum Harding Adventures with Jupiter Gatson. If you like the pod, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Be sure to write a review and post on Apple Podcasts. Possum Harding Adventures musical theme written by Oliver Wickham. Incidental music by FMA.org, with special thanks to Kevin McLeod, Lou Dot Sessions, Chris Zabriskie, Lee Rosevere, and Jonathan Goldsmith. Pod Planet thanks Steve and Dana Gadsen, Adam Ive, Selena Fiorini, Dave Smith, Drew Froman, Monique Kelly, and Tattoo Sound and Music. Possum Harding Adventures is written and produced by PodPlanet.org Multiverse. See show notes and biographies at PodPlanet.org. Thank you for listening.